Fundamentals, the podcast that explores popular culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. On this episode, I'm joined by... (laughs) (coughs) Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I just could not keep that going. Anyway, hello and welcome back to Fundamentals. As I said, my name is Harley and I am the host of this podcast, the podcast that explores popular culture one conversation at a time. On this week's episode, I'm joined by the co-host of Still Got Legs and Another Happy Pod, it's Nathan Bauer. Nathan was kind enough to come onto the show and share with me his love for an iconic British science fiction television series known as Doctor Who. Doctor Who is one of those shows that I've wanted to cover on the podcast for some time, given its legendary status in the British Isles. It's one of Britain's longest-running TV shows, dating right back to 1963. However, in this conversation, we heavily focus on what's known as the revival era from 2005 up to the present day. In this conversation, I get to find out what it is exactly about this particular run that's drawn Nathan and Lawrence and so many others back into the world of Doctor Who. In this conversation, we get into favourite Doctors, iconic villains, and something that Nathan refers to as Doctor Who magic. There is this and so much more to look forward to in this conversation. So, without further ado, let's just get on with it. This is Doctor Who with Nathan Bauer. Hello, Nathan, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hi, Holly. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, pleasure's all mine, mate. It's, um, basically, this is a really big topic, one that I think I should have done sooner, really, okay. given that I'd like science fiction and I'm British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that is, of course, Doctor Who. So I just guess kick us off, really. I'd love to know, what was your introduction to Doctor Who? How did this all begin for you? Uh, Doctor Who is it's something, like I say, it's a massive part of British, British culture, so it's it's always been around. Um I first got into it, like most people, when I was a kid, quite young. Um, I missed, when the revival came back in 2005, I missed the first series. Um, but it was the second series, once David Tennant started, that I watched. And it wasn't anything that I set out to do. It was just simply a case of it was on one Saturday night, and my dad asked me if I wanted to watch it with him. So I did, and from that episode, I just pretty much fell in love with it, really. Nice, nice. So yeah, David Tennant, I mean, it's one of those things with Doctor Who, obviously it's so many eras and we can get into all of that, but as a jumping off point, I can definitely see the appeal there. I mean, I know I watched a couple of David Tennant, I'll say up top, not really anyone who knows a lot about Doctor Who, Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, I remember he was a pretty big deal when he took over the role and just sort of brought this energy to it that I think attracted a lot of new listeners, a lot of new uh, viewers, sorry. Yeah, massively, massively. I think a lot of people would say that like David Tennant is their favourite Doctor. He's, he's right. what really popularised the show in a massive way for mm. a lot of people, really. So, and certainly for me, like it, it was because of him that I fell in love with the show so much. Okay. What about it specifically then? Grew, uh, grabbed you? Uh, I don't, I I when we started me and Lawrence um, when we started still got legs uh, the Doctor Who rewatch podcast which you can listen to on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, nice plug. Thank you. <laughs> um, when we started that, I was saying with him that 
I think the reason I fell in love with it was because it like hit me at the right age. I was about 12 years old when it started. And it was like the first real sort of like drama TV that I actually watched. Because like when you're a kid and stuff, you watch stuff that's fun and entertaining, but you're not really watching anything for the story, for the real gripping, hard hitting drama and writing of it. It's more just fun stuff that happens, mindless action, whatever, that sort of stuff, funny comedy. Um, But with Doctor Who, it was the first thing, like with an ongoing story that was really engaging and that I was really excited to tune in and see what happened next. And I think that was why it kind of gripped me so much, really. Wow, okay. So yeah, it helped you sort of develop an appreciation then for drama and for storytelling. That's Yeah, massively. Definitely. Yeah, I could see that because it's sort of a, it's a bit of a sort of week to week kind of adventure, but also usually has a an overarching story right that's kind of what i've seen whenever i've watched series it's mostly it's mostly like um especially like the earlier stuff it's mostly monster of the week so it's it's quite separate you can tune in pretty much any week and you're not going to be like what is going on here you can you can follow on from pretty much any episode but through all that there is an ongoing story like that you can connect the dots and and follow along with which always turns out to be something for the most part, anyway, quite intriguing. So it's mm. it's kind of got the best of both worlds in that respect, really. Yeah, I think that's that's a good jumping on point, I suppose, especially as you say, if, if it's in your younger years, that's, yeah. you can get hooked in with that monster of the week and then it's suddenly like, oh, that guy's back, or this yeah. thing's paying off, that's interesting. I think getting involved and watching the show in the younger years is, mm. is kind of key to the show, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I watching it as an adult like if you have no nostalgia for it and just watching it like from this age i'm not 100 percent sure you get the same effect from it really because mm. it is quite cheesy it is very camp one of the things me and lawrence have noticed is that it is at times very silly and very yeah. just almost ridiculous at times but we enjoy that though because it's 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 something we've always enjoyed really yeah so i guess for anyone listening who's maybe not that familiar with Doctor Who or sort of the concepts of it, what would you say to sort of sell it to them? Uh, so, ooh, that's a, that's a big ask. Um, I know, it's a big ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's it's sci-fi, um, but it's sci-fi that's... It, it's very heartwarming. The reason I love Doctor Who so much is mm-hmm. I, I often... There's an element of it which I describe as Doctor Who magic which okay. is basically um like oftentimes the the doctor the main character the doctor will save the day or find a way to save the day in a way that results in like it's pretty silly but like just being kind or just yeah. like or you know silly stuff like saving the day with love and that sort of stuff which which when you say it like that it sounds ridiculous but in the context mm. of the show there's something about the way it all comes together that it really works and it is part of that doctor who magic which it makes you feel good and it has a really good message in the show mm-hmm. itself as well it's something i enjoy quite a lot yeah yeah i could see that i mean it's it's essentially a high concept sci-fi but as you say with a lot of heart and i mean the premise is quite straightforward isn't it you know yeah just... the premise is very simple it's just a man who travels about in time and space you know you can mm-hmm. go forwards in time backwards in time you can go meet shakespeare you can go see futuristic cities pretty much anywhere you want to go and then it's it's really the the and you know fighting monsters and aliens and bad guys and all that sort of stuff saving the day 
but it is really like the the character development and the drama which keeps you coming back to it really yeah that's that's the selling point of the show i feel okay yeah oh, yeah nice so for for yourself then so it's david tennant who, how many years did he do it? Remind me, because I lost track. So David Tennant, um, he officially, well, he officially joined in 2005, but properly started in 2006. Mm-hmm. And then he did it for four four years, three seasons and a few specials, um, and then left um, technically in 2010, but it was like New Year's Day 2010. So yeah. um, 2009, really. And now he's back again, somehow. Mm. Okay. So, so just about five years, all in all, David Tennant. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, so you follow that arc all the way through, and then where does your journey go from there? Um, I, well, I stayed on. I was always stayed on. I watched on with um, Matt Smith after that, who mm-hmm. who then became my favorite doctor. Matt Smith is my favorite doctor. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So Matt Smith had a great introduction. Um. So when the show went from David Tennant to Matt Smith, the the writing changed as well. Like the showrunner changed, mm-hmm. um, and quite a lot of the show itself changed. Um, a few, a lot of people would have dropped off at this point. Some people just didn't really see the show without David Tennant. And that's fine if that's you know the way they saw it and stuff. I was mm-hmm. happy to to carry on and see where it went. Um, and yeah, for me, just that period of the show is is my favorite. That's the the Stephen Moffat Matt Smith. And then later, Peter Capaldi era, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Right, okay. Yeah, because I must be honest, I wasn't too familiar with, with Matt Smith's work. So what is it about his version of the Doctor that you like so much then? Matt Smith, I think when he was cast, I think he was the youngest person to ever play the part. He was about 26, I think, um, which was ridiculous because that's three years younger than I am at the moment. So, um, yeah, quite odd. Um, and he... The Doctor is a character who, like, in the storyline, he's thousands of years old. He's someone who's been traveling time and space for for centuries, so you need, like, a certain level of mm. experience and gravitas to play that role, in theory. And, you know, there was a lot of talk around casting Matt Smith that he is someone so young. Is he going to be able to pull that off? And the yeah. good thing about Matt Smith is his character, his Doctor, he really does have this... Uh, quite childlike nature about him. He is very young and silly and he can run about the TARDIS and jump off the walls and wear silly hats and all that sort of stuff. But then there were moments where he can really put on the old and serious doctor, the man who has been around for thousands of years and has seen so much stuff and so Mm. much and lost so much stuff and, and has so much pain and heartbreak within him. He was really good at capturing that essence of the doctor. Really interesting. Yeah, I guess I I can totally see what you were saying a second ago about that being a potential obstacle because yeah, yeah this is the character that is meant to be, as you say, thousands of years old and has all this baggage. But then, yeah, I would I would have thought, well, it just depends how good an actor they are, right? That's, Absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah. Matt so, Smith, he's a he's a great actor. Have you seen anything else with Matt Smith in? Um, recently, I know, well, I saw him in The Crown the first season. Yeah. I thought he was really good in that. He was um, good in that. Yeah. What else? I've do you watch House of the Dragon? No, but I've heard no. he's really good in it. Yeah, yeah, he's quite good in that as well. There was something else. Oh, yeah. I know he's been in a few bad movies, but he's good in them. Oh, yeah. I've seen like the the Terminator. Was it Genesis Terminator one? I think it was Genesis he was in. Yeah. But he's good in it. Yeah. You know, for, like, for like the five minutes that he's in it, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I see what <laughs> he's doing. And he just seems to be one of those actors that gets the assignment, like whatever he's in. He's just like, oh, I need this energy, do I? Okay. Yeah. And just brings it. 
he had a bit of a he's had a bit of a bad luck streak with movies because, like you say, he's yeah. in a lot, quite a lot of bad movies, but he's always good in them. Um, yeah. Dare we mention Morbius? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I I still haven't seen Morbius. So. Oh, me neither. But I just I know it's terrible, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not going to bother. But again, I heard he had a blast, and I heard that he was like. I feel like, I think he's everyone's yeah everyone's favorite part. I've seen that scene of him dancing on Twitter all the time. So well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I could see that kind of energy working because I suppose that's the thing about what I've understood about the Doctor is it's one of those characters that I would describe him as being quite eccentric. Oh, definitely his mannerisms and everything. So it would make sense that the actors that that come forward have to bring a little bit of that energy to it. And I guess that's quite tricky, right? Getting that balance between weight and gravity of thousands of years, as you say, of all these lives lived versus you're a little bit nuts as well. (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. And it is difficult to kind of capture that essence. And a lot of it comes Mm -hmm. down to the writing as well, because like, Mm -hmm. again, David Tennant, a lot of people's favorite doctor, a very popular choice. His very final scene, I guess, spoiler alert, um, his very final scene as the Doctor, his final words were, I don't want to go, in a very emotional moment. And then mm. he regenerated, he changed into Matt Smith. And you go from that like very emotional moment with him mm-hmm. crying, essentially, saying he doesn't want to change. And then suddenly we have this new man in front of us, and he's running about the TARDIS, he's trying to figure out what is going on, while the TARDIS is crashing all around him and everything like that. And it's just a whole completely new energy. Like the dynamic is completely shifted from where right. we were. So it's it's a definite big change for people to get on board with. Um, but it did pay off, I think, anyway. Yeah. yeah. I suppose that's something, being a fan, right, you have to get used to that. I think maybe for people that don't know is, yeah, my understanding of it is he regenerates because he has two hearts or something like that. Is that right? It's- Not, he, he does have two hearts. He The regeneration is kind of... It's described in the show as a way of cheating death, basically. Mm. Like, if anything happens to that particular doctor, they quote unquote die, and a new doctor takes their place. It's not a new doctor; it's the same. It's the same person. They just look different and have a bit of a right. new personality. But it's the same person all throughout. Really, it's yeah. really just a way that they can keep the show going and just yeah, hire yeah. a new de- actor. That it's the built-in mechanic for the show. Really, it's it's quite clever. I quite like it. But I it suppose is. As a fan, it means yeah, you have to accept that, right? That every couple of years there's going to be a new person, and you definitely, think, yeah, you got to get used to that. A lot of people don't know. <laughs> that's, that's something <laughs> right. that comes up quite a bit. Some people uh, can just not handle change at all, and you know yeah. that, that's fine. Do do what you do, but yeah, I feel like if you're on board with the show, you you need to accept that at some point, you know, the dynamic is going to change, things are going to change. Mm. Your favorite doctor is going to go, but hey, they might come mm. back in a little while, so. Yeah, I was going to say, I I feel like, not to tell people what to do too much, but it's like, if if you don't cope with that, then you're watching the wrong show. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. It's probably not the show for you if if you can't necessarily handle change. So I wouldn't recommend it in that case. No, but I I think it's quite exciting and interesting. And and obviously that's something we can dive into is the different eras, right? I mean, as you say, since, yeah, since the David Tennant, you'll see Matt Smith, you had Peter Capaldi, who... Did he do it for very long? I think he did it for like a short stint, right? They've all done kind of similar, um, of the new Doctors, they've all done Mm. kind of similar uh, lengths. The only real exception Mm. is Christopher Eccleston, who did just one season. 
um, right. because he didn't really gel with the the writers and stuff of the show. He had quite a yeah. negative experience. Um, uh, but yeah, they've all they've all done like roughly about three seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. Each. Okay. Um, Pete Capaldi, yeah, he did um, seasons eight, nine, and ten, and then left, right. and then Jodie took his place. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you make of uh, Peter Capaldi's performance? I, I like Peter Capaldi. It, again, it was quite difficult at first because Matt Smith was my favorite, and again, mm. it was a big change. We've gone from a doctor who was quite youthful and childlike and very energetic and quite a doctor who was he he very much wore his heart on his sleeve and was always very open about um helping people in the best possible way to then peter capaldi who was obviously an older actor he was very his doctor was a lot more grumpy um (laughs) quite a very um restricted character he was very closed off with his feelings and stuff and uh when he was first introduced he didn't necessarily seem to care if people around him lived or died he just needed to get on with a job um, wow. okay yeah it, it was quite a stark difference but what i liked about peter capaldi's uh character peter capaldi's doctor is the development he went through because over mm. over the time, over the three seasons that I, he had on the show, his character um, developed and changed in a really incredible way. Um, he he grew a lot because of the people he had around with him, because of the experiences and interactions he had on the show. And it was really good to see like where he started and where he ended up as a as a character, which was really mm. um, just amazing to see. I've I say yeah. that like. Matt Smith is um, my favorite Doctor, but mm. I think Peter Capaldi is the best Doctor, really. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Like, he's... Like, Matt Smith I absolutely love, but I feel like Peter Capaldi just really nails what the Doctor should be, mm. I think, in the best way. So, yeah, I really like him. Is it that sort of balance between... Like you say, the eccentric craziness, but then also the weight of everything. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, not necessarily so much the eccentric with Peter Capaldi. He could be a little bit um weird and stuff, as the Doctor often is. But his was just more. His Doctor was kind of like more, uh, more of like a bit of a a mad professor scientist type of thing. Um, and and again, just the the character development he went on, like going from a character who at first seemingly didn't care whether anyone lived or died, at one point abandoned his companion for death, uh, just abandoned her in the middle of a, a whole situation, oh um, telling people that they'll be all right, they'll get through this, just to manipulate them into dying so he can move on to the next thing, and um, to then going throughout all the seasons. So in his final moments, talking about being kind and how love is one of the most powerful things in the universe and how it's always possible to help people who need help and all that sort of stuff is mm-hmm. is just a really good, um, for me anyway, just a really good journey that that character went on. And you can see it throughout the seasons as well. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds quite powerful, to be fair. Yeah, it, it is. goes from like a very jaded, cynical place to a place of optimism. Yeah, yeah 100%. Wow, okay. That's interesting, because I hadn't really heard anything about the sort of Capaldi era and run. I, again, I've kind of dropped off, you know, listening to it all. But Yeah, I feel like out of all of them, the Capaldi era is probably the most forgotten. 
really. Mm. Um, I feel like definitely the Tennant and Smith eras are the most popular. Um, And then, like, I don't know, maybe people started to get older, dropped off the show um, around the Capaldi eras and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's the most forgotten, um, which is a shame because, yeah, I I do really enjoy it quite a bit, really. Yeah. And then I think after that, it kind of came a bit of controversy, right? Because oh yeah, Jodie Whittaker taking over, and that's a whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So Jodie Whittaker uh, then took over the role. Obviously, the first female Doctor, which in itself was a big thing. You had obviously you're always going to get the usual um, idiots, just you know, Mm. taking their stance and not watching it because of their own views and that sort of thing. Like, yeah, fine. Just do what you got to do, man. Like, but, um, I like that the show stuck to its guns and, you know, they didn't apologize for any changes being made. And it wasn't even that they should have done because like, right. It, it was, this was always the case. Like, this isn't anything new. Sure. The doctor had never been a woman before, but like, this was possible. It, it wasn't anything new in terms of the show's, Right. history and stuff this this had happened before the master who mm-hmm. was who was a villain um like a, another time lord character had had been a female incarnation before so it's not anything new um it's just because it's the main character is now suddenly a big deal mm-hmm. and it is a big deal in terms of like representation and that sort of stuff and of course that's mm-hmm. that's something that should be talked about and celebrated but mm. uh, it wasn't anything that was you know drastically changing the show for the worse or anything like that it's just something new to explore so yeah yeah and uh jody wicker's era it's um it's not my favorite really um more more so from a point of writing mm-hmm. i think jody wicker did a, a really good job as the uh, 13th doctor i have no complaints for her at all just mm. um the writing and i think a lot of people tend to think this it just wasn't necessarily up to kind of the same standard as what people have been used to with the show really and i feel like a lot of people would have dropped off during this era why is that do you think um there's just certain choices that were made and stuff and certain storylines that came through there was it, it it wasn't necessarily like the same kind of gripping drama that had you coming back like the previous seasons and eras were um chris chibnall is the the showrunner for this era and it's strange because he Mm. i don't know if you've seen broad church but he wrote that Um, i have yeah okay yeah and broad church is great for me one of the most really good dramas i've seen absolutely Um, but but for um for some reason that just that same standard wasn't brought over to doctor who for some reason i think he probably struggled with the um the kind of week to week stuff because Broadchurch mm. is very it's one story throughout the yeah. show. Whereas Doctor Who, you have to have like different stories going on, different adventures, monster of the week, that sort of stuff. Um so I think he just kind of didn't necessarily gel with that type of storytelling, really. Which yeah. is a shame. Um but yeah. Um n- not the best era, personally. Not the worst, but mm. not great. Okay. Interesting. Uh, now there's like a whole new recast, right? I think we've at the point of another series coming along and another actor coming along. And yes, I, I, yeah. So, um, so the the Jodie Whittaker, Chris Chibnall era is just ended. We're kind of in a transition period at the moment. 
where you know it's not on we're just waiting for the next bit to start um yeah so russell t davies who actually initially started the sh- well started the revival of the show he was showrunning it back with christopher eccleston and david tennant uh-huh. he's coming back to showrun which is very exciting a lot of people were quite happy about that i think that's mm-hmm. uh, a way to get a lot of people back on board really with the show um and then bizarrely enough jody whitaker regenerated back into david tennant in the um in the most recent episode of doctor who which is very confusing uh mm. we don't know what's going on there as of yet but i'm excited to find out yeah okay so so david tennant is i think th- this is now technically the third doctor that he has played because he played the 10th doctor then right. there was one storyline where he regenerated into himself um it's, it's a whole thing. And now Jody <laughs> Whitaker has regenerated into David Tennant. Um, so, yeah, this is the, the, the third one that he's playing. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 heard, I saw something about another actor being up for the role soon. So is there going to be like another changeover? Yeah, yeah. yeah there is. So the, the next Doctor is already cast, uh, Shuti Gatwa. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Sex Education mm-hmm. Netflix, uh, on Netflix. I haven't watched that myself, but I've heard good things about it. Mm. Um, he's he is playing the the fifteenth Doctor. David Tennant's playing the fourteenth. Right. Um, yeah, and David Tennant's really only back because it's the it's the sixtieth anniversary of the show this year. Right. Okay. Um, and he's coming back to do a, a like a, a three part special in November. Okay. Um, yeah. and then I think after that is when Shooty officially starts. Really. Mm. So okay. yeah, so it's a, it's an exciting time for the show. Yeah, it sounds it. Yeah, like you say, it's it's. I think that's quite an interesting way to transition into a, yeah. another era. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like because this past era of the show has been quite, like you say, controversial, it's been a little bit, uh, I don't want to say lacking in terms of writing, but that's probably the best way to describe it. It just hasn't had the same kind of magic about it. Um, right. I feel like getting... Russell T Davies back, getting David Tennant back, uh, Catherine Tay also coming back for a for a few specials is is really a good way to get people back on board and and you can see it you can see like um you can see the excitement building on Twitter and other places and stuff people are really excited to see what comes next and see uh the show hopefully back to um the 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 the, the standard of writing that came before really. Yeah, I'd hope so. Like you say, if he's the guy that kicked it all off in the first place, yeah, you'd, um, you think that would that would bode well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and don't get me wrong, like um, Russell T Davies, he's not his era of Doctor Who. Like it wasn't pure gold all the way throughout. As all these things are, there's definitely hits right. and misses and that sort of stuff. Um, me and Lawrence are finding that there's definitely some little wonky moments and odd choices with his writing that comes up every now and then. Um, especially whenever he does a an episode that has anything to do with politics, we always notice that he doesn't have clearly any idea how politics works, which is okay. always quite funny. Um, so yeah, there's definitely wonky things that come up. But also, you know, it's been 15 years or so since he last was writing on the show, and I think he would have grown as a writer and developed new skills and stuff as well, so... Yeah, we're interested mm. to see how that all turns out, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, in your rewatch, then, are you sort of starting from 
the revival era then and we going are. through. Okay. Yeah. Um, we we talked about it and trying to figure out the best way to do it. Mm. Um, because it's like it's a rewatch podcast. We want to rewatch the show, so mm. we decided doing it from the revival era is is the best way to start because um if, if we just started right from the beginning in classic who that's like yeah almost 700 episodes we need to get through before <laughs> before we can start 2005 um also a lot of the storylines and episodes are actually missing from that era um right so because you know the bbc back in the days they just recorded stuff on vhs tapes stored it in a locker somewhere and then once they ran out of space just re-recorded over what they had originally so there's some episodes of doctor who that are just completely lost to time unfortunately um okay yeah um so there's a lot of stuff missing um and yeah and also the the classic era of doctor who it's it has its fans and stuff and and you know you have to give it credit because it started this whole thing and it was around for quite a while and that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um but it's it, I've seen a few bits and pieces here and there, and it's you know it's it's very slow and it's it's a little bit different from the revival era. It's not quite as uh, exciting and adventurous, really. Okay. Um, yeah, through a modern lens, it, it's difficult to to kind of get on board with it from the start, really. Okay, I yeah. see. Hmm. But 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 still, but. You know, it has its fans. There are some really good moments in Classic Hope from what I have seen, but it's it's just compared to the revival era, it's just not the most exciting. So yeah, we're we're doing the revival era from 2005. We've um just finished the first season, moving on to the second now. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, one episode a week is gonna take us about three years to get up to date with where we currently are, and then who wow. knows where we'll be by that point. So yeah, yeah. yeah interesting yeah Yeah. quite excited to see where that goes really okay yeah we we think that like because once once we do catch up in like four years maybe it'll be five years who knows um if it is still going hopefully it is touch wood (laughs) um we we think we might start then doing either the sarah jane adventures or torchwood (laughs) which are uh, some of the spin-off shows oh yes Yes, that's right. I remember those coming yeah. out at the time. Yeah. Have you sort of got any affection for either of those? Um, I, I've not seen Sarah Jane Adventures apart from a few episodes here and there. Mm. Um, so I, I'd be excited to see that. I think the only episodes of the Sarah Jane Adventures I watched were the ones where the Doctor would show up, like the few special episodes right. where he would show up. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I'd be excited to watch those. Torchwood, I I watched all the way through, and I remember liking it quite a bit. It was mm. like Doctor Who, but more adult and edgy, and that okay. sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, it was quite exciting for the for the short time it was on. Um, so yeah, definitely be excited to to go through that again. Interesting, yeah. Mm. And once you've done that, you don't fancy going back and checking out something like the Tom Baker era or any of those really infamous ones. <laughs> I would be happy to. I think I'd have yeah. to convince Lawrence quite a bit to to uh, to go back and check out some stuff. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I, I'd be more than happy to check out some some classic stuff. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm just I've, I've pulled up a list of all the different ones and. Yeah. I can see what you mean. It does because it goes right the way back to like the 60s and yeah, 63. It started 700 long, long episodes. Ago. That's 
that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. And the the weird thing about it is, um, like, for the most part now, like, the most uh, an episode will, like, a storyline will go on for is, like, two parts. We'll occasionally get a two-part storyline. But, like, in the classic show, like, um, episodes would go on for, like, six, seven episodes. Uh, storylines so yeah, yeah. like six seven episodes um and yeah just just kind of relentless <laughs> in that wow. i i have watched i a while ago i started i thought let me just go back from the beginning and just mm-hmm. see how far i get and watch it all yeah um so i, I was watching it's one of the very early storylines the first time the daleks are introduced yeah and it i think that whole serial is about seven or eight episodes long um, oh, okay. And the episodes are about thirty minutes each, but it's it was kind of relentless in in that like it started with the Doctor and his companions landed on a planet, and then they went through to the city and they found the Daleks, and then they got captured, and then they broke out and escaped, and then they got captured again, and then they broke mm-hmm. out and escaped, and then they got captured again, right. and then they broke out and escaped. <laughs> it was just that over and over oh, again because they needed to like end the episode on some sort of like trouble cliffhanger. and cliffhanger, really. Um, so it was just the same stuff over and over again. Um, but it was still, there were some good moments in there, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so are there any sort of of the older era that you look out for and think, yeah, they could be worth looking at a bit closer? I know there's a, a Tom Baker um, storyline and a, of the classic series. I believe Tom Baker is like the David Tennant of that. He's like the most mm. popular doctor from what, I'm, what I've heard and stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's a Tom Baker serial called I think it's the Genesis of the Daleks, which is quite a popular one. That's one that a lot of people say is is like the the best of the best, really, because it's like the Daleks obviously been like the ain't the nemesis of the Doctor, the biggest villain he has and stuff. Um, and 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 I believe that's kind of like an origin story for them and their yeah. creator. So. So that would definitely be interesting to watch and see how it compares to the stuff we've seen in uh, the revival and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, of, in terms of the others, um, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. Like I say, I haven't seen much of it, um, okay. but I'd definitely be be interested to see what kind of like hidden gems we could find in there, which I'm sure there are a few. Absolutely, and what you've just sort of talked about there taps into I think another thing that I find quite interesting about yeah. Doctor Who is the fact that some of the key villains of the series have been around for as long as he has. Oh yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know about you. I was, I'm always intrigued to see when, when I have watched it, how they're able to bring them back in a way that's still interesting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So the Daleks, um, like I say, the biggest kind of villain on the show, I think even mm. if you don't know Doctor Who, you'll know of the Daleks. I think a lot of people would be able to recognize them. Um, yeah. I, like the first four episodes of Doctor Who, um, were a storyline about them meeting like cave people back in time, but then after that, it was the Daleks. That was when it was introduced. So pretty much right from the beginning, the second storyline they've been in the show, um, right. and yes, yeah, still in it to this day, which is pretty amazing. Um, the Daleks are like from from my point of view when they was introduced, it was a very big deal because they had supposedly all been wiped out at that point so it was a very big deal that they were back um Mm. and that i feel like that's kind of lessened uh the shine has worn off from that as time has gone on because 
in the early days of the revival, it used to be a huge deal when the Daleks would show up, like, and um, because they shouldn't be any more Daleks because they were all supposed to be gone, but now they're certainly back. So it's really interesting to see how they came back and what they're doing here. Um, but now it's like, oh, they're back again. Okay, they're just here now. <laughs> yeah. uh, they, I, I might be wrong on this, but I think I've read somewhere that there's some kind of uh, contract or deal um, with Terry Nation or Terry Nation's estate, who was the guy who originally created the Daleks, and that they have to appear legally in every season at least once. Wow. Um, so I think that's why they come up so often. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is good to see them. It, the the kind of shine does wear off a little bit uh, over time, though. Yeah, well, that's I did not know. That kind of makes sense as to why yeah. they keep coming back. Then. And they have been in literally every season. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, I think season six is the only time where they don't necessarily appear as a full on, uh, as a full on like fledged episode with them. It's just there's one, well, half mm. of one that the Doctor gets some information from. And then that's mm. it. Other than that, they don't appear. But yeah. Interesting. I think the other one you can probably point to is Cyberman, right? Uh, I think yeah. those are like the two big ones that I think most people would recognize. Yeah, Cybermen, definitely another one. Um, they they don't appear as much, but I, f- I feel like the Cybermen are kind of more interesting than the Daleks, really, because their their whole deal mm-hmm. is that they've had like all their their humans who have mm. then been taken and converted into these robots, uh, kind of robot-looking creatures, mm. and they've had all their emotions removed from them. Um, yeah. And you do get some really good storylines about like what that means and why, you know, a kind of like capitalist society where humans are inefficient, so let's just remove everything that makes them inefficient so mm. we've got this workforce that can really do what we need to do um, and make us more money. And that sort of stuff. Wow. So you can get some really good storylines from the Cybermen, I think. Yeah, that feels like I don't know. It feels like quite a powerful allegory hidden in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. And like when they're used, you're not always used to that effect, but when they are, it can be uh, really quite interesting. Yeah, I seem to recall an episode. I think it was towards the end of um, one of the seasons with David Tennant, and it was Daleks and Cybermen. Yes. And I remember that was like a big event, and even that was. That, I don't. Yeah. I don't think they'd ever uh, met uh, up until that point in the show. So it was kind of a. Uh, <laughs> remember, uh, at the time, the uh, the World Cup was going on um, in the yeah. UK. Uh, the 2006 World Cup, I think it was. And mm-hmm. um, so I remember in all the magazine covers, there was like the Daleks in like I don't know, like an England shirt, and then the Cybermen in like a Germany shirt or something. <laughs> so it was like. The Daleks v Cybermen showdown. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was quite funny and interesting. Um, but yeah, that's that's a good episode, a good storyline. Um, mm. And a thing I love about that episode is you do get a moment of the Daleks and the Cybermen having like kind of a little sass off. They're just yeah. being a little bit towards each other, yeah. which is strange because it's just two emotionless creatures, kind of like. With a robot voice, just like talking like this at each other, <laughs> <laughs> but then just saying the most <laughs> things, which is which is quite fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that quite a lot. <laughs> nice effect, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever had someone do that to me on a podcast. <laughs> Lawrence hates uh, my little soundboard here because I just play little noises all the time to annoy him. 
whenever <laughs> we're recording. But I think it's fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the other one I think you mentioned earlier, and I think it's worth mentioning as well, the Master. So it's usually like the another Time Lord, but it's kind of that classic thing of like superheroes, right? Where like yeah. the villain is another version of of the hero sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like uh, the Venom to Spider-Man. The, right. Yeah. Zod um, to Superman, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely the best way to describe it. Um, and and it makes it more interesting, the fact that, you know, in the storyline, the, the Doctor and the Master were friends as children. They were on right. Gallifrey, their home planet, together um, as as friends and grew up together. Um, and over time, they just like took different paths and <laughs> ended up as uh, as mortal enemies. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. It's always quite um, quite exciting whenever the master shows up. And again, another character who you know changes and regenerates. So you get different interpretations and different characters taking on the role um, right. and playing it in different ways, which is uh, again exciting and fun to see. It keeps it fresh, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in between all of that, it's just as you say, other monsters, other things. It allows writers just to get a bit creative, I guess. Then, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go. It's one of the shows where, as a writer, it must be quite a gift because you can go really anywhere with it, anytime, right. any place. Um, and as long as you've got like kind of a, an engaging storyline with the the characters in the show that you're presented with, you you've got quite free reign, I'd imagine. So. Yeah, must be interesting to see how you can interpret that and what you can come up with. I don't know yeah. where I'd start to be honest, but yeah, must yeah. be fun. It must be. It must be. I think switching gears. Then I would wonder if we could talk a bit about I think the other side of Doctor Who and the fact that he's always got a companion. Yeah, you know, and what you make of that and sort of the dynamic that that brings. I feel like it's it's a good audience surrogate, right? Having someone Definitely. come along for the ride and you can he can explain all of this stuff to as he goes. Yeah, and I think that's definitely where the the role originated because we've got this mad alien creature who's, you know, we don't know in the beginning anyway, we don't know how old they are, we don't know where they're from, they're seemingly ageless, they're whatever. It, we can't just follow this guy around. We'd have no idea what's going on. We need the the like you say the the audience surrogate the the point of view of the audience. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely where it started. Just someone to go. Oh, what's this, Doctor? Well, Susan, this is the blah 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 blah, and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Over time, I think the role of the companion has become a lot more equal in okay. to the Doctor. It's definitely still like a an audience point of view to to step into this weird and wild world but mm. as as things have progressed in society i think it's yeah it's become more of an equal footing between the two characters um yeah. and in the um in the revival when it started back in 2005 it was mm. it it was kind of like the the dynamic shifted because the the entire first episode is from the companion's point of view you're following rose for that entire episode, she's the main character of that episode, and arguably the entire first series, she's the main character. Um, so yeah, the dynamic shifted where the Doctor is a secondary character who we're getting to know through Rose, really, which was quite an interesting way to see it. Yeah, yeah, I seem to remember that. I know that was a that was a big uh, thing for a lot of people during that yeah. era. Um, and that, that I think of... there's a lot of um, fans of the classic era who 
who don't necessarily like the new era and couldn't okay. quite get on board with it because there was a lot of like big changes made. Sure. Really. Probably probably the biggest one. Um, like when Russell T. Davis was right in the era, he he made the decision that like all of the the Time Lords uh, are now gone, and the Doctor is the last of the Time Lords. His planet was destroyed, um, mm. and and we find out more about that as the show goes on. And then it turns out not necessarily to be the case. Um, but yeah at, yeah, at first it was definitely a big change, which a lot of people, understandably, weren't necessarily on board with. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess again, it's like anything; it's going to progress and change, and as different people definitely. take over, you're going to have different representations and different ideas and I, I always think with things like this particularly tv shows as things that change hands it's like if you don't like one particular era or one particular season yeah just wait yeah something it, else it, will come along you know exactly like like i said you know I, i'm not the biggest fan of the the jody Whitaker era um right there's, there's good stuff in it don't get me wrong there are good episodes here and there and there's I like the characterization of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor and stuff, but overall, just that that era isn't necessarily my favorite. I'm still a fan of the show, though. Like, I'm just waiting for the the new part, and I'm sure that'll be great. You know, you, the, mm. it's there's always going to be something else. Really, there's always going to be something else there that you do enjoy. It's kind of the same as Star Wars. Star Wars is massive. There's there's so right. much Star Wars, and if you don't like one part of it, that's fine. There'll be something else. There is something else. So I guess a question I have for you then is is with the way that things are changing and moving forward, like you said, they're, they're doing something different. They're bringing back David Tennant and they're handing it over to, I believe this is the first ever Black Doctor. Is that right? Uh, technically, no. No? Okay. No. All right. Uh, I'm wrong. It, the first official Black, the first official Doctor, yes. Okay. Um, okay. But during the Jodie Whittaker era, there uh -huh. was a storyline, um, which a lot of people don't like, Mm -hmm. Um, called the Timeless Chil Children, where we found out that before what we know as the first Doctor, um, mm -hmm. back in 1963, there was actually a lot of other Doctors. We don't actually know how many versions of the Doctor there've been. Ah. Um, and one of the versions that we meet, yeah, during that era, is um, what's known as the Fugitive Doctor, uh, played by Joe Martin, who's a black actress. Uh, okay. So technically, they're the first. Uh, black doctor we've seen mm -hmm. but shooting gap was the first full-time sure doctor yeah yeah i just with with that mm -hmm. then picking up that thread i mean where where do you see this sort of show going forward in in that way or or just in, in any of it really um i don't know to be honest um where, wherever it can go really i think doctor who is definitely becoming a lot more progressive mm -hmm. um there's been a lot of news recently, like uh, the first um, transgender companion um, okay. is, is coming across to Doctor Who. Uh, a drag artist is going to be in the new season as well. So the show is definitely getting a lot more progressive, which, as you can imagine, a lot of people are taking very well. Um, sure, sure. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I feel like def Doctor Who is always going to be something that grows and changes with the time. You know, it's. It, mm -hmm. I feel like it has to. It can't be a show that's like, Oh well, this is the way things are, and we're not going to change. It it has to adapt and evolve, really, mm -hmm. um, and and I think it should. Um, okay. So where it goes, I have no idea, but I'll be excited to see where it does go. So. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I mean, it's it's always the way, and I suppose it's fiction and it's science fiction. It's science fiction yeah. as well. It's the whole point of it is to explore 
all sorts of alien races and galaxies and and times and place so it's like yeah of course you're gonna find things that you with the viewer may not necessarily understand or relate to yeah. but not a 100%, problem is it yeah you know? it, it, and again it'd be weird for the show to be like you know exploring all these different cultures and civilizations and aliens uh-huh. that can do all kinds of weird and wonderful things but then drawing the line at a transgender person or a gay man or whatever it just sure it just wouldn't fit in with what the show explores, really. So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be an odd choice. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, mm. I would wonder then. Um, we talked a bit about. I want to sort of go back to what you said earlier, right towards the start, about the optimism of the yeah. show and the heart of it. Talk to me a bit more about that then, and what that, how that appeals to you. Um. So, so yeah, the the Doctor Who magic, as I like to call yeah. it. I think. Uh, I like a that good... expression. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think a good ex- example of this is um, an episode um, me and Lawrence watched recently, a two-part storyline mm-hmm. um, uh, called a, a, an Earth, "Unearthly Child in the Doctor Dances." I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's set in World War Two, uh, London, height of the Blitz, that sort of thing. Um, but then there's just some weird alien stuff going on in the background that isn't really important. Um, but okay. the way it all comes around is that like there's this kind of infection that's sweeping through a lot of people and they're seemingly dead because of this. Um, mm. The way that the day is able to be saved, though, is the doctor is there's just a moment where the doctor is able to figure out what's happening with these little nanogenes that can basically fix the people. And there's just a really beautiful moment where the doctor realizes that everyone is going to live and he just he just cheers everyone lives rose just this once everyone lives mm. and that's it's just such a beautiful moment especially in terms of that character as well because mm. the ninth doctor christopher eccleston he is a character who was born out of war and death mm. in terms of the story and um, he from his own point of view he had to destroy his own planet and kill his own people, destroy his people because of the war that he was in. Um, so to go from that and to be very angry for most of the season and to be very jaded and bitter and um, to then having a moment of pure joy of being able to save everyone and having no one die whatsoever, it was just a really beautiful moment. Um, and yeah, simple as that really. It is just that magic where... Everyone lives, and that's something that should be celebrated, really. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it's that really working. Good. I can really see that working, yeah. And yeah. I, I hadn't thought about the the context as well mm. from which the character approaches it. So Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool they thought to do that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And again, another moment I like quite a lot. Um, this is a, in a Peter Capaldi episode, in Peter Capaldi's last episode, actually. Um, again, wartime, it's World War One this time. Um, and World War One doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the episode. They just end up there at the end. Um, okay. And it's actually the, the Christmas armistice. So the moment where uh, the British and German soldiers put down their guns on Christmas Day. And mm. for just one day, there was no fighting. They just went yeah. over, shook each other's hands, played a game of football, that sort mm. of stuff, and just celebrated Christmas Day with each other. And again, just a really beautiful moment in the show. Mm. So yeah. yeah, again, you do get those those moments of magic, which are just 
really, really nice to see, which I always enjoy. Yeah, and I think it's it's always be- it's always nice as well when it comes from something just like a straightforward. <sighs> I would almost describe it as like a soap opera in space, right? The way that Doctor Who plays out. It's yeah, I you mean, know, that's a good way to describe it. Actually, it's, yeah, it, it's like very like comforting to watch. Yeah. It's easy, like, easy going, but then like you have those moments and they hit you, I think, even harder because you're like, oh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Sub Robin Space is a good way to describe it because you do have, you know, you are going off to all these far off worlds and going on these big, wacky, and wonderful adventures. But at the end of the day, it's really the human drama that keeps you coming back. That's yeah. what you're here for. And that's what really gets you to fall in love with the show. Um, so, yeah, 100%. Definitely agree. Mm. I wonder, just a bit about a left field this, but have you ever been to any sort of conventions or anything for, for Doctor Who's? I know that's quite a popular thing to do. Uh, yeah, it is. I haven't myself. No. Okay. Um, something I've always wanted to do. I remember a few years ago they had the, the, this isn't necessarily a convention, but they had the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff, uh-huh. um, which was like kind of like a, a set or anything where you could see all the sets and that sort of stuff. Um, mm. So that would have been like exciting to go to. Um, no, I, ha- I haven't done the, the convention thing because I've never been to a single convention really. Oh, um, okay. Not, not, not a conscious choice. I just haven't, um, this just hasn't happened. I was, mm. me and Lawrence was supposed to go to Star Wars celebration this past weekend. Um, but I couldn't make it unfortunately because of a funeral I had to go to instead. So uh, okay. that was a bit of a shame for, for a lot of reasons. I was going <laughs> to say, yeah. <laughs> awful thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was going to be the first one, but yeah, unfortunately didn't get to go. Um, but yeah, hopefully in the future, I'd definitely be uh, able to get to some. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I know so. they, are, they are quite popular. I think, um, Surprisingly enough, America has the biggest Doctor Who convention, I think. Um, right. It's Gallifrey One, it's called, which is a, an annual convention that happens there, um, mm-hmm. which is quite popular. Uh, but yeah, never been myself, unfortunately. Ah, I think something to tick off the old bucket list, as they say. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I mean, at the moment, I'm planning to go to the next Star Wars celebration in Japan. So that's going to be a, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, a big uh, sort of travel thing. Um, so yeah, definitely at one point I hope to get across to, to America for that, or, you know, even if it does come here, yeah, definitely yeah. Be excited for that. Definitely, man. I'm quite jealous of the mm-hmm. Star Wars one in Japan. That, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be exciting. Japan's, you know, it's somewhere I've always wanted to go. It's definitely an interesting country to visit. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah, when they announce the next one's going to be in Japan, I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to Japan. I'll figure it out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we'll yeah. see. Oh, yeah. You'll have to let me know how that goes. Cause yeah, that, definitely. Those are two things I've always wanted to experience, Japan and, and a Star Wars convention. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to do two in one. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So how do you find then just the sort of general discussion around Doctor Who as a fan and within the fan base, right? Because I know you used to do a podcast is fairly new, but I think just yes. having those conversations with people, like, what's your sort of take on it? Um, <laughs> it can be exhausting. <laughs> okay okay and, and i'm the same way with star wars like star uh-huh. wars and doctor who are like my two biggest loves yeah, um yeah. i i absolutely love star wars i never want to talk about it with anyone because <laughs> like i i have my opinions i'm uh-huh. happy with my opinions you you have your opinions that's fine sure i'm i'm happy with my opinions i don't want to know 
why Ryan Johnson ruined your entire life. Okay, just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I so I tend not to get involved in the online conversation too much. Um, I've I'm kind of I've kind of curated my own Twitter feed, um, to be quite a generally positive place mm. with all that sort of stuff. So I so I don't I purposefully don't see a lot of the ongoing negative stuff. Don't get me wrong, a lot of it does seep through. Um, yeah. like like again recently with like recent casting announcements and stuff, a lot of just negative uh echoes and stuff mm. drips through, unfortunately, and right. all that sort of stuff. It's just exhausting and but i feel like that's the same in a lot of fandoms these days there's always some kind of controversy related to something um it's definitely not something that's exclusive to doctor who right um but yeah i i try to stay away from it for the most part which is a shame because like what what i'm finding it i like talking about it like i really mm. enjoy talking about it with lawrence on the podcast and, yeah. and being able to engage in that sort of way but i but I know I can do that because it's a safe space to do that. Like, right. At yeah. no point is Lawrence going to turn it around on me and <laughs> tell me, you know, he like hates this cast enough for whatever reason or something like that. Sure. Um, it's it's not the typical online fandom discussion, which mm. yeah, it can be exhausting and draining, really. Yeah, that makes sense. As an expression I've heard with Star Wars fans, like nobody hates. Star Wars quite like Star Wars fans. <laughs> yes, that is definitely true. Like, yeah. um, back when I used, hardly use Facebook at all these days, but when I did yeah. use Facebook, I was in quite a few different Star Wars fan groups. Um, but then over time, I just that just dropped because it was just so relentless and exhausting. Mm. It was just constant complaining and complaining. And, and, you know, that's fine. If you don't like something, of course, you're more than welcome to critique it and express your disinterest. But it's just the the relentless nature of it just really started to just exhaust me really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, had to had to leave all of those really. That's but, fair. Which is definitely uh, one of the better choices I've made. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I I think when I put together my Star Wars episode, that was I asked my um guests coming back like, what's something you perhaps don't enjoy about Star Wars? And that yeah. was like the number one thing that every single one fed back was like, yeah, the fans can be pretty terrible. <laughs> and then I, but what's made me laugh yeah. about that, and you, you just said it a second ago there, Nathan, mm-hmm. is you do find that in pretty much everywhere. Yeah. You know? And, I, and I ask with Doctor Who, knowing that there's going to be gatekeepers, there's going to be people like yeah. that. But I also think when there's stuff like conventions and things like that, that tells me that there are at least a good section of fans out there yeah. that want to be united by it. You yeah. know, and or even start a podcast talking about it. You know, like there's that yeah, kind of commonality that you can find, and um, which I, I think, think really that's cool. the the reason Star Wars Celebration is so successful and popular because, right. like, it is a safe space. You know, I once heard someone describe it as, you know, there's no as Star Wars Celebration. It's not prequels fans. It's not original trilogy fans. It's not sequels fans. It's just Star Wars fans. Everyone's there just for Star Wars. It's not us versus them or anything like that they're just all coming together out of a shared love and interest and it's like just a real place of positivity which is quite nice really right exactly and i imagine with doctor who you can find a similar space if you look for it yeah yeah definitely i'd like to say Mm. i think um they they do exist i think it's gallifrey one is the main convention um i don't think there's an official one it's just like something that's grown over the years and been put on by the fans which in a oh, way, yeah. it's more interesting, really, than like you know an official one. But yeah, 
Yeah, I I think so. I think yeah, mm. fan if it's fan made as well, then that's that's really cool. Yeah, that that shows like a real love and passion, really, because then you know you know it's not just there to sell you stuff, really, which. Which I think Star Wars Celebration can be that a few times, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, I'm just wondering then, Nathan, was there anything else on your mind when it comes to, to Doctor Who you wanted to kind of bring up in our discussion that I've missed? Um, I, I'm interested to know, like you say, it's not something you've come across, but I'm interested mm-hmm. to know your relationship and, and history with it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sure, man. I mean, it's it's very brief. Um, okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, I was aware of uh, when it came back on mm. uh, the revival era with Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. I think because my, my buddy Josh at school was a big fan of, of Doctor Who. I think he had, like, box sets of some of the original stuff and all yeah. this. So when it came back, he was so excited. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you've got to watch this, you've got to watch this. I said, okay. <laughs> I think I followed that series and I followed bits of the David Tennant as as best I could, you know, because okay, yeah. for people who are, you know, younger than us might not understand this, but it wasn't as easy to track these things down <laughs> no. at a certain point. You had to kind of convince yeah. the whole family to watch it and, yeah, you know, catch up, catch up and things like that didn't quite exist in the way that it does now. Um, so, yeah, I kind of dipped in and out every now and then. It was just something I always had tremendous amount of respect for whenever I did see it because I just thought, yeah. this is fun. Yeah. This is just fun. And like, I, I love sci-fi. I lo- like I say, Star Wars is one of my favorites. I'm just looking at my DVDs now and like I've got a bunch of ones I've saved. Most of them are science fiction or comedy. Okay. Like, that's pretty much my wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I love sci-fi quite a lot as well. Yeah, and so I, I always respected Doctor Who for that. I, I yeah. never got enough into it to like, I'm going to follow this, but I'm glad that it exists and I'm glad that it, impacts people in the way that it does and like some of the things that you've discussed the positive messages that sort of thing it gets across yeah i'm like yeah that's great i do think it's sad when you see people getting angry because a woman's playing a doctor and stuff like that i just think come on but then i'm not surprised because you know when we got a female lead as a jedi everyone freaked out so yeah exactly and as i've learned doing this podcast it's it's in every area that you can possibly think of. Even something as wholesome as Disney theme parks has its gatekeepers, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. I was fascinated to learn that, but like <laughs> it's true. So yeah. oh, my, wow. my, my thing, yeah, I know. A, a really fascinating listen, that one. Uh, Clarice blew my mind with that. But anyway, um yeah, I just think I just think it's it's great. It's great that it exists, even if I don't follow it. I, it's one of those yeah. things I do think every now and then, yeah, maybe I should give it another try and sort of rewatch. And like you mentioned, the Matt Smith era being your favorite, I thought, yeah, I didn't yeah. really see much of his. So maybe I should just try and track it down somewhere and just give it a go. I definitely recommend it. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's a, I've, I feel like one of the reasons I enjoyed that era is because as well, I feel like it kind of, and I think this was a, a, a a part of watching it at the right time as well. I felt like the show kind of aged up with me um, yes. because the, the Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi era, it felt just a little bit more mature than the Russell T Davis era. It might not have been. It was just how I personally felt about it. It seemed from a writing point of view, it seemed to be just that little bit more mature. So I feel like that kind of hit me at the right age. Really? I felt like the show grew with me. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think it totally yeah. makes sense. Anything like this, like an ongoing series, like everyone yeah. has that. I mean, I did a whole run of episodes based on sitcoms, 
okay. that's like and that's like a recurring theme there of like audiences you know you follow characters for up to 10 years sometimes and yeah. you grow with the characters and there's like that emotional connection when some of them go through similar life stages to you or certain episodes or moments kind of you can match up with your own experiences and yeah definitely yeah so i could totally see with something like doctor who doing that as a long-running show that yeah it's going to have that change that maturity there's certain moments that are going to resonate you can probably link up to key moments in your life of like yeah, yeah. i know i know where i was when that came out or when this happened and oh yeah 100 yeah, i can totally yeah, see yeah. that and that's something i love genuinely about like long-form tv shows things like that is is that growing together that the audience and yeah. the show does? I think it's beautiful. So I'm I'm glad to hear that Doctor Who could do that as well. That's genuinely made me really happy. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that well, the revival at least it's almost 20 years old at this point. I think it was recently just came up to the 18th mm. anniversary of the um, revival era. So yeah, so yeah, it's been going quite a while now. And again, the show in general, 60 years. So. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. Really. I, I can't think of very many other shows that do that, right? I don't know about you off the top of my head. No, I don't think. I mean, Coronation Street has been out quite a while. Um, yes, it has. Do you know what? Let's just have a fun, quick Google just to see how long Coronation Street's been on for. I think it was started at very similar times, but I think there see. might be like an American show that's been on probably a little bit longer, but yeah, I'm not sure if. There is anything else? Well, I will soon find out. Cue the jingle. Oh, what's his name? It's time to Google. Oh, okay. This might give it a run. So, okay. Coronation Street. Yeah. According to this, the first episode it was aired on the 9th of December, nineteen sixty. Oh, three years. Three yeah, years. pipped it by three years. Okay. Interesting. Number of episodes, 10,923. Oh, goodness. My God. That, yeah. Well, that's on like almost every night, isn't it? So, has anyone attempted a rewatch podcast before? <laughs> rewatch Coronation Street by the guy. If you have, please tell us because I'd Surely love to that's, know. <laughs> that's not possible. You'd have to release an episode <laughs> every day for that to, to, to work out. Yeah. My God. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, the longest running TV shows here. Um, uh huh. Called. Oh well, no, because that ended in '84. But there's one saying Captain Kangaroo, which started in 1955. I think we're um, looking at the same article. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, that's nonsense. <laughs> All of these are like 30 years. It's a yeah. half at least. <laughs> So Hang yeah, on. I think it, it might be Coronation Street and then Doctor Who. Oh, Doctor Who is on this, but it says 44 years. I don't think they're counting the active years. No, I I think you're right there. Mm. That's fascinating. Mm. What a fun tangent. Like, genuinely, <laughs> yeah. that's that's so cool. So I'm going to have to get someone to come on and do Coronation Street now, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> luck was... finding someone who's seen every single episode. I know, right? Street. Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness! Oh well. Uh, wow. General Hospital is an American show uh, which has been on since 1963 there to you the go. present day. So, I guess I guess that technically beats it. Yeah, um, I, I I would have thought like something in America would have would have got there. Yeah. Oh, the um, Tonight Show as well. Um, that's been mm -hmm. on since '54. Whoa! So yeah, 
That's awesome. Oh, that's so good. Oh, and something called Lord Mayor's Show was apparently also... I don't think that's right. No. Was it Lord Mayor? Lord Mayor Show. Apparently it's been going for 79 years. 79 years? Um, oh, we had TVs. Hang on, hang on. It's the annual event. Um, oh, okay. It's okay. Yeah, sure. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> a new Lord Mayor is appointed every year. Yeah. So it's basically that, that doesn't count. Yeah, that's, that's not, not a TV, TV show. show. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do there, Wikipedia. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, it's, a Brit- it's a British thing, so we can end on that. No worries. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. So, yeah, I mean, again, mm-hmm. I, th- I throw it to you. Was there anything else you wanted to? To talk to me about with uh, with Doctor Who? Or... Um, no, not necessarily. Just no, it's um, okay. yeah, it's a, it's an exciting show. Like I say, uh, one of my two biggest loves in, mm-hmm. in terms of like TV show and fandom. Anyway, um, so yeah, I'm always happy to talk about Doctor Who and and try to get more people to check out this weird and wonderful little show, as I often call it. Brilliant, and I guess yeah, yeah people can come and have a listen to you and Lawrence have a look through that particular run right and they can listen to you yeah. on your podcast so i guess yeah take us home where can the good people find that podcast and the other podcasts you guys do together <laughs> yeah so uh yeah we do still got legs um our doctor who rewatch podcast we uh talk about well we rewatch the show weekly and uh talk about the episodes discuss the episodes um so you can find that on apple Podcasts, spotify google literally anywhere you get your podcasts um and the same with another happy pod that's our main show where we just discuss uh, mostly movies but tv shows occasionally video games as well and just see uh what's going on and and mostly just descending to me and lawrence arguing with each other which is <laughs> always good fun yeah, it is. It's it's good fun to listen to, and I definitely recommend it. So, oh, thank you, very kind. Yeah, I'll be putting links in the show notes and as well to your Twitter page. I guess that's the best place to find you if they want to come and chat oh, to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Nathan Bauer underscore, I think it is. Feel mm-hmm. free. Um, feel free to talk to me about Doctor Who. Just don't be negative or anything. I so. think that's a fair caveat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nathan, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me, Holly. Had a blast. And there we have it. Thank you so much to Nathan for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of all things Doctor Who. If you like what you heard here, then definitely go and give the podcast Still Got Legs a follow. As you heard at the end of the episode, it's a Doctor Who rewatch podcast featuring Nathan and a previous guest of this podcast, Lawrence Heisey. They also do a general pop culture movie discussion podcast called Another Happy Pod, which you also heard about, both of which are well worth giving a follow. I've put links to all of that in the show notes for you to go and check out and make sure you go give Nathan a follow as well. Let him know what you think of this episode and share any love that you have for Doctor Who with him. If you'd like to discuss that love with me, then you can reach me via the links in the description as well. I could be found on a few different social media platforms as well as a Discord page, which I will be setting up for this very episode. So make sure you go and check that out. If you would like to give this podcast some love and support, then there are a few simple ways to do so. First one is just to tell somebody. I really don't mind how you do that. Maybe do it as you're going around in your interdimensional travels in your TARDIS, or you just tell a friend down at the pub, or shout it from a rooftop. I really don't mind how you go about doing it. Please just make sure that you do, because it is the best way to help this podcast to grow. 
word of mouth is just invaluable and i really cannot thank you enough for any and all support that you give by telling somebody you can also head over to your favorite podcatcher of choice and leave a lovely five-star review and or rating if you are kind enough to do that then please let me know so i can give you a massive shout of praise on the next episode of the podcast after all it really is the least that i could do and finally there are a few simple ways to contribute to this podcast monetarily if you are able to do so Simply head over to the TeePublic or Redbubble store to get some merchandise featuring the wonderful artwork designed by one Alex Jenkins, whom you can, of course, get in touch with via the details provided in the show notes. Or head over to Coffee or Kofi, however you want to pronounce it, and just donate directly to the podcast there. You can give as little as a pound just to help with the costs of running the podcast. And that just about does it from me. I'm going to have a short break and take next week off, but I will be back on the following week with a wonderful episode featuring a returning guest and a truly brilliant musical topic. So make sure you are here for that. Until then, take good care of yourselves. Go and check out Nathan's podcast. Go and watch Doctor Who. And I will see you all right back here for another episode of the podcast. See you then. (laughs) 